Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. All right, welcome back to the BT Focus podcast. My name is Dan. I am joined again by Victoria. Hi, Victoria. Hello. How are you? So Good. Uh, we were just talking about the weather. And if you have been tuning into the podcast, you would have heard us talk about how last week I was really hoping that Victoria could send me uh, some colder weather. And it seems that we may have swapped roles because right now it is like 71 degrees in Texas. What What's the temperature there? You know, here in Michigan, we have a high of 80 today. So don't know where the fall went, but here we are. <laughs> So I gave you a little bit of Texas weather and you gave me a little bit of Michigan weather. Yep. Yep. That's cool. I'm I'm actually happy for it. We have a, like a, a rainy, dreary day. And as you can see, I like, I have put on my sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Mr. Rogers. I have like my, my little pockets and I'm like, yes. ah, it's comfortable inside. You know, it's not like scorching heat, which usually it is in Texas, even in October. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. I do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm starting to believe that you do control the weather. Um, so if I ever need anything, I'll be like, hey, Victoria, could you send some wind my way? <laughs> no, no worries. I got you, Dan. <laughs> cool. All right. So let's jump right into what we're talking about today. So we're moving through our task list. We completed C5 last week, natural environment teaching, which was a lot of fun. And a lot of the times what you'll see these tasks do is they'll really tie in together. Um, so you might hear us reference those, um, and then sometimes we'll even put two or three together, um, depending on how long they are. But we're just doing one today. We're going to be doing C6 today, which is implementing task analyzed chaining procedures. So we're looking at chaining procedures today. And we're going to start with the basics, and then we'll get into some chaining topics. We have a couple that we'll be talking to you about today. And then we'll go through a scenario of what chaining will look like as a behavior technician. And then we'll finish up with some questions as we usually do. So let's jump right into it. At the beginning, we're going to look at the basics of a task analysis. Now, most of the time, you guys may be indirectly involved in a task analysis or a supervising clinician may be helping you through a task analysis. Um, but always a supervising clinician is going to take the lead on that one. So breaking that down, what is a task analysis? Yeah, so a task analysis is very simple. I think it's a big word for a very simple procedure. It's essentially taking a task, breaking it into smaller steps, and then writing out what steps need to be taken to complete that task sequentially. So you're going to write, so the supervising clinician would write the first step, then the second step, then the third step, and so forth. And depending on your client, you uh, one task could be 10 steps, or for a different client, that same task could be three steps. It just depends on how intricate we need to make the steps to teach that skill. Exactly. And the difference here between the task analysis and the DTT, because a lot of the times in your iPad when you are working on that program, you may see at the top where it says task, um, especially if you're with Centria, um, as well as at the top, you'll see DTT. But in general, what we're doing is, as Victoria had outlined, we are breaking down those steps, but those steps are, are taught in a sequential manner. Um, 
and each step has an SD assigned to it. And a lot of the times when we're working with our clients, we do this because even the most simple task can present these most complex challenges that our clients can, can be frustrated with or be struggling with. And so breaking those steps down really helps them to master that skill in a manner that is in the most expedited way. And so a perfect example of what a task analysis is. So how are we going to write a task analysis? Well, first, we need a list of written out steps that contain all the components necessary to complete the task. And then we're going to essentially take that task analysis and construct it before we implement that intervention. So what are we looking at when we do create this task analysis, when we re really looking at implementing that intervention? Yeah, so what's going to be considered as the client's repertoire for selecting appropriate interventions? So um, verbal repertoire, can they attend to these skills? What is their learning history with other task analyses in the past? Um, and we want to make sure that these are, steps are all broken down appropriately for that client. So observing a competent individual um, performing the sequence while writing down each step is the, maybe the first step or thinking through it yourself or making a mental note as you perform the task so that you can see exactly what step is needed at what point. Because you'll really be surprised at how many things could be task analyses, right? As we do them, pretty much everything can be, right? If we really wanted to sit down and break it down. So it's simply just taking a skill, looking at all the steps it takes to complete that skill, and then writing it down. And then like you, we mentioned just recently, um, your supervising clinician is typically going to be the one to write the task analysis. Um, so when they're doing so, they are considering all these different things about the client. Right. If maybe they don't have experience with the task analysis, maybe the task analysis is a little bit longer. Right. It's a little bit larger. So we can teach those steps um, as we need to. But if the you know client has a really great learning history with task analyses, then maybe it is a lot shorter. We just have to focus on a couple of main points for this skill. Very well said. Um, and it's also important to remember the skill level of the person, the aid, the communication. Um, and even any prior experience to um, performing that specific task. I mean, your client already might know half of that task as you wanna think about how we're individualizing this task for the client. And further, we wanna make sure that all steps are operationally defined. So we wanna be very specific. Um, there was this famous, I think it was a famous Viner. Do you remember Vine? Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. So there was this famous Viner. He was like a dad of, of a couple kids and he got really famous on Vine and then Vine no longer exists. Sad face. Just um, and then he, <laughs> no, it just stopped. And then he, it's TikTok now, it is. but uh, he transitioned to YouTube. And so he did this, this YouTube challenge where it was like the exact instructions. And so he had his kiddos write down instructions of how to prepare a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And when I saw that, I think of, of this because it's, it's, it's essentially a task analysis. And so it was hilarious because he was, of course, being extreme and quite literal. But his kiddos were getting so frustrated because they were like, I need you to put peanut butter 
on the bread. And so he would take the peanut, the literal jar of the peanut butter and put it on the bread. <laughs> and then there was, I'll have to send you the video. Um, and then there was also, his daughter was like, and put the knife in the peanut butter. He takes the knife, puts it upside down and puts it in. <laughs> and so they were getting so frustrated because they were like, his son at the end was like, I know you know how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. You're just not doing it right. But he was making a point here. Like you have to be specific. When we are running this task analysis, we have to be very operationally defined when running this task analysis, when we're performing it, when we're writing it. So now let's get specifically into this chaining procedure. So let's, let's operationally define what is chaining specifically. So it's linking individual steps or behaviors together in order to perform a more complex task. So it essentially is just breaking down into a little bit more detail exactly what this task analysis is. And we have different types of chaining. We have forward chaining, we have backward chaining, and we have total task chaining. Now, I know if you're a new behavior technician or if you've been in the field for a couple months, um, these might look quite foreign to you. And I know we throw a lot of information at you at the beginning and I'm not sure why, but for me in my process, these were kind of left. Like these were kind of on the back burner for me. And so they're really important. And when I got into my session, um, I didn't know how to perform a backward chaining task. And so my supervising clinician had to model it for me. So hopefully this helps you um, get it down mentally. So you can go into session and you can do one of these if your supervising clinician has written that task for you. So now let's break it down into a little bit more detail. What is forward chaining? What do you think? So forward chaining operationally is teaching the first step first and then prompting through the remaining steps. You teach the second step once the first step is mastered. Once the first and second step is mastered, then you begin teaching the third step. Okay. Back, uh, backwards chaining is when you prompt through the initial steps and teach the last step first. So this would look like teaching steps one through nine. So you're just prompting through steps one through nine. And then you are only focused on teaching step 10. This would what backwards training would look like. You prompt fade for step 10. And then once they master step 10, you focus on teaching step nine. So you do steps one through eight with them. So pretty much hand over hand prompting a lot of times. Prompt fading on step nine. And then teaching, and then once step nine is uh, mastered, um, they know step nine and 10, they do it themselves the next time. And you continue the process until all steps are mastered. And then total task chaining is you teach all steps simultaneously. Exactly. And for each of these, there is a specific time that we should use them. Uh, but before I get to that, I, I want to tell you an example of how I tried to apply one of these to my learning technique. And I think I have mentioned in previous podcasts, and I know I've mentioned to you, Victoria, about me learning and picking up sewing during this pandemic. Okay, so when I'm learning a new skill, um, especially if it's like sewing, uh, I'll go it or if I'm learning a new skill in terms of racing on a Mario Kart track, I'll go to YouTube and I'll look up an example. And so, of course, how I approach this is I was like, okay, I can do this using total task chaining. 
I know that I can watch the video and I can do all the steps at the same time, right? And I know I got this. So I'm going through, I'm watching it and I'm doing the steps as they're teaching me. So I'm teaching myself all the steps at the same time. I'm like, I got this. So I put it down and then turn off the video. An hour later, I come back, I continue it, forgot everything and was like, okay, that didn't work so well. So instead I had to go back to YouTube video and I had to teach myself the first step, make sure I got that down and I even wrote it down and then teach myself the second step, got that down. So I had this goal to learn it all at once and found out that, hey, Dan, <laughs> that that's not the best for you, especially if you've never sewed before. So let's take it, break it down and teach it step by step so you can get at least the first step down. That way, when you get to the last step, which is this really cool trick that the YouTuber showed me how to tie it, you know, and cut the string, which sometimes can be the most frustrating part for me. Um, I can use forward chaining to learn how to sew and it stuck a lot better. And I still remember how to sew. I didn't need to go back to that YouTube video. So it's dependent on when you use it and it's dependent on your client as well. So in terms of forward chaining, as you outlined beautifully, we're teaching that first step first and then prompting through the remaining steps. So you teach the second step next, teach the third step next. An appropriate time to use this would be if the client completes skill acquisitions quickly or has already demonstrated success with some of the steps in the task. And then prompt fading can be done quickly with the subsequent steps in the sequence, which will make the learning process a lot quicker. Now that was how we're, how we're going to use forward chaining or when we're going to use forward chaining. What about backward chaining? When do you think we would use that? So backward chaining, I really like, and I use it a lot with clients. Um, this is if the client is prone to making errors or adding inappropriate behaviors while we're doing the chain. So prompting the initial steps will help decrease inappropriate behaviors while teaching the last step. So it leaves a little room for error, right? If I'm hand over hand prompting for steps one through nine, there's no room to make a mistake. You're only modeling the correct behavior, the behavior we want to see increase, right? And then on step 10 is where there's that room for error. And that's a very small window, right? So then as we're teaching and they master step 10, it's easy to just teach step nine then. And I think it's really important, whether it's forward chaining or backwards chaining, to really know that once they master that step, they always going to do that step in the future, right? We may be teaching a forward chaining, we may be on teaching step four or five, they always will be able to do steps one through three independently. Um, we're always going to allow them the opportunity without prompting if they've previously mastered it. And for backwards chaining, if they've previously mastered steps nine and 10, and now we're working on step eight, then once we get to step nine and 10, they're going to complete the task independently. Um, so those are, that was backwards chaining, right? Um, and then I think there's total task chaining too, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And in terms of like forward or backward chaining, I'll get to total task training here in a second, but what have you used more in your experiences? So definitely backwards training. Um, I think it goes along with that airless teaching. Um, a lot of times when there's clients that um, will maybe try to add in some of those maladaptive behaviors while you're doing the chain or just prone to maybe making mistakes. Uh, maybe that hand-eye coordination isn't quite there for some tasks. So that it really just helps um, to model the correct behavior that you want to see increase that we're trying to teach the skill that we want them to know. Exactly. And I agree with you. I think I've used backward chaining a lot more than I've used forward chaining just because we really set them up for that success there. 
And uh, if you're a Century attack and you are using the iPad, you might see that set up a little bit differently on your iPad. Sometimes it's numbered one through 10, sometimes it's lettered. Um, but the thing that I, I wanna tell you, and I think you had alluded to as well, Victoria, is that um, really use your, your thought process in that moment. Like really look at the whole task and understand you know, what it looks like for you. And then make sure that if you're using forward or backward chaining, you're running it correctly. And as you also had stated, once you get that step mastered, you, that client will do that step from that point moving on. Now let's go back to that total task chaining, which we're, remember we're teaching all the steps simultaneously here. And this is usually used when a client has an extensive repertoire for learning complex behaviors quickly. Now, this type of chaining does allow for many opportunities for errors, which can sometimes be frustrating for the client, can be frustrating for you. So if that ever does happen, most likely your supervising clinician may prompt you to go back to one of the other chaining, which is a forward or backward chaining. That way we really start to teach that skill. We start to supply those prompts. That way we're not seeing as many errors. Though it's dependent, it's different for each individual. It's different for each client and your supervising clinician will be able to direct you better once you start working with that client. So now there's many scenarios that can be applied to a task chain. Um, you could have washing hands. A lot of the times you'll see that in your iPad, especially during a pandemic now, right? Yeah. Um, putting on a coat, but we're gonna go through a scenario of putting on your pants. Now your BCBA will provide you with the following task analysis. And they may ask you to teach the skill using, let's say, backward chaining. So in terms of putting on your pants, we're going to do backward chaining here. Now, this might look different for you. It might look different for me. I know it's a joke, like, which leg do you put in first when you put on your pants? Do you know which leg you put in first? Um, Left or right? So I'm going to go with whichever one is not inside out because I probably didn't fold it right and just threw it together nowadays <laughs> with the four and a half month old. So whichever one I don't have to readjust is it's going to be that one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I always, I always put my, <laughs> I was not expecting that answer. I love it though. Uh, I'm sure you're relating to a lot of moms out there as well. Like, you know what? It, it, <laughs> Whichever one I put in, I put in. <laughs> so I always put my left leg in first, but that might look different for your client, um, especially if you're just teaching this skill. We might see in this first step, the client might sit on the floor. Also, you might lay out those plant pants and then you'll slide in one foot, whichever that might be. Um, pull the pant leg up until that foot comes out and then you slide in a second foot. Then you pull pant leg up until foot comes out of that one. Then you stand up and you pull pants up, and you button pants, and then you zip pants. So that was a 10 step procedure. Now, if we're using backward chaining, what would that look like? Yeah, so if we're using backwards chaining, we're going to prompt the client for steps one through nine. So we're going to, maybe they're standing and we say sit on floor, they don't automatically sit on floor. Okay, so we have them sit on the floor. We help them sit on the floor. We help them lay out pants. We help them slide in one foot, then pull the pants up till the foot comes out. We help them slide in the second foot and pull the pants until the foot comes out. We help them stand up. We help them pull pants up. We help them button pants. And now 
we're on step 10 of zip pants. So step 10 is what we're focusing on teaching only for backwards chaining because we're going to start with the last step first. So we're going to, maybe we start with a full physical prompt of zipping pants, right? Then next time we do it during session, we're going to maybe fade to a partial physical prompt, okay? Then next time we do this program during session, we're going to fade to a gestural prompt. And we're going to continue prompt fading until they can do that skill independently. Once they've mastered zipping pants, we can move on to teaching buttoning pants. And so the next time, after mastering step 10, next time we're going to focus on teaching buttoning pants or step nine. So we do steps one through eight, hand over hand prompting as much as needed. And then on step nine, we prompt fade, they button their pants, great. Now they do step 10 independently because they previously mastered it. Great explanation. And the, the biggest error that I was making when I was running a backward chain with my client is that, and I know this might be surprising because it seems quite simplistic, but I was not full prompting in every single step leading up to that last step. And in my mind, what I was thinking is that my client already knows this step. So I can immediately fade this step back to a least prompt because you know we're prompting least to most. And then if the next step my client doesn't know, then I can full prompt that one. But the thing here is, is that first, that complicated the process for me because then I had to also remember all 10 steps and I had to remember which prompt the step was that my client knew. And then what I saw is that my client would get frustrated yes. because there, it would come to a point where I was prompting sometimes and then not prompting the next step. And so my client, what I saw is my client would be like, okay, well, then I'm, I'm not here for it. I'm not going to work on this. And so the other issue that I was having is that when I was doing the least prompt, I wasn't reinforcing appropriately as well. So this breaks it down. That way you don't have to remember all 10 steps. You can just full prompt the process all the way through with your client, just like you would if you were putting on your pants and then really focus on that last step that you're working on and prompt that correctly and then prompt fade that, but also continue to reinforce. Remember we did those reinforcement preferences before in this task list. We've gone through that whole process. You need to make sure that if you do get that correct response, you are providing that highest preferred reinforcer, especially if it's independent here, um, which is important because you should also have all your re reinforcements available dependent on the prompts that you're using. And that was something that I also was failing at in a task, just sometimes because tasks can be more um, cumbersome in terms of the process, more thought process. Um, but always make sure that you do have your reinforcements available and that you're teaching that last step and then moving forward. Now, we're just going to reverse this if we're using that forward chaining. So instead of full prompting the all the way through until the last step, now we're going to teach that first step here, which is going to be sit on the floor, and then you're going to prompt fade that one. And then the steps, all the steps after that are going to be full prompted. And then in terms of total task, we're going to teach all the steps as we go. Now, that was actually quite quick 
<laughs> than our usual, but that's totally fine. We are already to our questions. Um, but before I get to our questions, let me ask you, what has been your biggest challenge with forward, backward, or total task analysis? Yeah, so I think with backward chaining, um, once you've taught the client, say, the last five steps, it's a 10-step task analysis, and maybe it took them a week to master each of those steps independently. Once you get to maybe step five and you're teaching that, I think realizing that you may be prompt baiting a lot faster and to give them more opportunities for independence at that point, because they've probably done steps one through five at that point, if they've already mastered the last five steps, probably hundreds of times, right? Um, if we're doing this multiple times during session over a few weeks. So giving them more opportunities for those first few steps once we get to the teaching them um, to prompt bathe sooner and maybe jumping from a full physical prompt to try a gestural prompt. Maybe you don't need, they don't need that partial physical prompt in between. So prompt baiting a little bit quicker so that they don't become frustrated or prompt dependent on you continue to fully physically prompt um, through those first few steps. So just remembering that, hey, they've had lots of practice with those first few steps during backwards chaining. So by the time you get to teaching them, they may be able to show you they can do them independently a little bit quicker. Well, that's a great pro tip. And yeah, that's something that's really important to remember. Something that given that amount of time, it's easy to forget, um, especially if you're highly involved in your session with DTTs on top of these tasks. So always, yeah, give that opportunity for that independent response. Great pro tip. Thank you, Victoria. All right, let me go to our questions. So I'm going to ask the first question here. Right. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. This one's a true or false. Creating a task analysis before implementing a chaining procedure is not necessary. So I'm going to go with false here because what are we going to chain if we don't have a task analysis? There's no pieces to put together in the chain, right? It's like links. The steps are different links in the chain. And so if there's no links, then there's no chain to create, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, we don't just want to like teach one step of washing hands and then not teach any other step, right? Like, oh, you should know the rest of this. Just, you know, wash your hands. Right. Oh, you don't know? Okay, let me just teach you how to get the soap and then you're just going to walk away, right? You right. have to have that task analysis before you start implementing that. And I like that analogy as well. If you don't have the links, then how are you creating a chain? A good, very good example. All ding, right. ding, you're right. So, <laughs> thank you. So number two, it's for you, Dan. Your BCBA would like to add a chaining procedure for doing the dishes with a dishwasher for your client. This client has a very quickly learned has very quickly learned how to complete chaining procedures in the past, such as brushing teeth, washing hands, and sorting laundry. Which type of chaining procedure would your BCBA likely put in place? A forward chaining. B, total task chaining, C, backwards chaining, or D, none of the above? So based on the question, if I see that my client has very quickly learned how to complete chaining procedures in the past, most likely my supervising clinician will focus on that total task chaining at the beginning. Um, and then if we do see a lot of errors, we might move that back to that forward or backward chaining. I say this 
because we have seen our client, well, this client specifically, master brushing teeth, washing hands, and sorting laundry in a chaining procedure fairly quickly. Um, so we're going to allude to that last one there. And then if we do see errors, we'll jump back to the forward chaining or backward chaining. Yeah, you're correct. So total task chaining is correct. Awesome. All right, next question. You are given the following task analysis. So one, grab one shoelace with one hand and the other shoelace with the other hand. Two, cross the two shoelaces. Three, bring one shoelace underneath the cross. Four, pull both shoelaces tight. Five, make a loop with one shoelace. Six, wrap the other shoelace around the looped shoelace. Seven, pull the wrapped shoelace, making another loop through the looped shoelace. For eight, pull both loops tight. Your BCBA would like you to teach this task using backward chaining. Which step would you teach first? Now, if you have a photographic memory, you'll probably remember all those steps. So we'll see how you do. So <laughs> A, teach all steps simultaneously. B, grab one shoelace with one hand and the other shoelace with the other hand. C, pull both loops tight. Or D, any step can be taught first with this chaining method. All right, so we'll break down the, uh, the um, answers here. So A, teach all steps simultaneously. This would be um, a total task chaining. And we're going to assume here that um, we're using backwards chaining because that's what the question asked for. So A is incorrect. B says grab one shoelace with one hand and the other shoelace with the other hand. This is the first step. So if I was doing forward chaining, this is what I would start with. And I'm doing backwards chaining, so this is not correct. And C says pull both loops tight. So we're going to go with C because this is the last step and I'm using backwards chaining. So we're teaching the last step first. And that would be pull both loops tight. Great answer. Um, this was a fast one, which yeah. is always great, you know, um, and it was, as always, a pleasure. You always have amazing insight when it comes to these tasks. As do you, Dan. Thank you. It was a pleasure working with you as well. Of course. Thank you for tuning in. Um, tune in next time. We're going over C7, which will be implementing discrimination training. So hopefully we see you then. And hopefully um, you'll have a little bit cooler weather. Or do you like <laughs> the warmer weather? You know, um, I just wanted to pick <laughs> a sign at this point. <laughs> My sinuses say, like, let's just choose one. So I'm okay either way. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, Victoria. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the BT Focus podcast. As we learn more about the stories and the science behind applied behavior analysis.